So welcome to this uh, special midweek edition of the NL Full-Time Podcast. Uh, and it's a really exciting edition this week. We, we're being joined by some of the people who've been absolutely crucial to Sutton United's success this season as we look back on what a remarkable campaign it's been, uh, topped up with just this astonishing final day at Gander Green Lane on Sunday. We've got Matt Gray, who'll be joining us later on in the show, uh, and we're so excited to hear what he's got to say. Um, and we'll have Louis John joining us as well, scorer of that crucial second goal against Hartlepool. Uh, and just a rock at the back for the Ambers all season. But first up, we've got Dan Taylor from the Gandamonium fanzine, who, uh, if you've not heard of them before, give them a read. They're available on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and if the first one you read is their review of yesterday's uh, performance at the lane, then you can't go far wrong. It's a fantastic read. Dan, you're one of those, what, th- thousand and a half Sutton fans who were lucky enough to be at the game yesterday. Talk me through yeah. that day. It was, yeah, it's a bit weird, really. Um, for such a big game, I, I mean, it's like, I think we worked it out. It was 166 days since we were last in going to Green Lane for a game because uh, we, we were lucky to get to squeeze two home games in in December when the, the sort of the restrictions eased briefly before Christmas. Um, and it's so, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it was just odd that the first game back, you know, we were all hoping to get one game back before the end of the season, but for it to be, you know, one of that magnitude was just, uh, just odd. It was really strange. But I think there was a little bit of trepidation about, well, let's hope it, hope it's not a bit of a damp squib. The game itself has just panned out at exactly how we'd hoped it would. The guys got on the front foot straight off, didn't give them too much. I think they hit, they hit the post and that was probably about their only chance. They had the entire game. And yeah, it was just a general feeling. Once we got in front, I don't think there was, Anyone was particularly uh, worried, um, and yeah, that second goal from Louis, uh, just the place went mental. Just that, just I think that just finally calmed everybody down. Been joined by Rob. Yeah, really good. Good to uh, speak, Tom and Dan. I think when it's one 0 you just never know. Oh, especially with us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was at that. I was at that Torquay game and a few weeks ago, and you just felt like. Is that the moment yeah. where the, the momentum's moved the other direction? You know, that Acer Hall goal, and you thought, is that the momentum swinging the other way? But it's been a hallmark of Sutton this year and under Matt Gray in general, that resilience, that never-say-die attitude. Is that from Matt yeah. or is that from the club? It's certainly an ethos that Matt has instilled in his team. Um, his approach is very one game at a time. You know, there's no, there's no point worrying about games five, six, seven down the line because you can't control that until you get there. You know, you, you don't know what you're going to be facing because, you know, they, they do sit down and they prepare for every single game um, on its own. They look at every game, every opponent. How can they hurt us? How can we hurt them? Um, you know, what do, what do we need to be on the ball with? You know, obviously in the National League, set pieces is a big thing. So they're always identifying who are their threats from set pieces, who takes them. You know, different, all sorts of different little things. So yeah, they he does take it very one, very much one game at a time, which I think probably allows for the team to, if they buy into that mindset, you can then just turn around and say, well, okay, we've lost that one. It's one game. You know, we can we you know let's prepare. We you know they've got confidence in the way they set up and the way they prepare the side, um, and the team are bought into that as a as a system, so they can just I guess switch off, switch back on when they come in for training. Go right done doesn't matter you know it's one defeat or it's you know it's one game let's just move on to the next one put it right let's you know if we made mistakes let's make sure we don't make those same mistakes again 
and you know, let's get let's get the next game won. So, and and you what? Um, and you know, clearly it's an ethos that has worked out this season. But as a neutral there, I just felt like Sutton are going to win this. Um, Everything had lined up, you know. Torquay dropped points. Mm. You could have ended up to win the win the league in an empty stadium in Barnet, but instead you win it in front of in front of the fans on the first game back, and that outpouring particularly as you say when Louis John's going in was it was visceral yeah. it was raw it was everything we've missed not having fans in wasn't it Gangreen Lane's not a seething mass of humanity when it comes to football it's there's, there's a big loyal following there um but it's it's quite rare for the for the place to kind of kind of lose it a little bit and the last time probably the most we've ever seen it happen was the last minute goal for Rory Deacon against Cheltenham in the cup that famous cup run um a couple of years ago um and yeah, Louis' goal was very much like that. Just everyone went mental. Everyone just lost it. It's, it's why we love the sport, isn't it? And, yeah. and I think, you know, for me as a pundit, um, we've talked about it on this podcast before, this will rank as one of the all-time achievements in non-league football. I mean, 10 years ago, Sutton were playing Isthmian League football. Um, yeah. You don't have, unlike you look at the likes of maybe a Forest Green, a Salford, a Harrogate, they have quite a, a well-off benefactor. Sutton mm. don't have that. You know, you're still a part-time no. team. This has been a triumph, a small squad as well. It's been a triumph yeah. of, of work ethic and an individual quality blended together into a team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think Matt's Matt's very big on his details. He's very big on his stats. Um, I, th- I think he's one of those guys who, I think, I mean, he hasn't said as much, but you can just tell by the way he approaches it. I think he understands that in all levels of sport these days, both if it's competitive and there's money involved in it. And people are earning a living from it, both from the Premier League to athletics to down to National League football. Small margins make the differences. And we learned that lesson the hard way when we first came into this division that first season under Paul Doswell. The year we had that cup run, we played some fantastic football. We, we were actually very competitive on the pitch. Um, you know, we were giving sides games, really big clubs. You know, we we're going to places like Rex and playing them off the park. I mean, booed off despite the fact we won one nil. But the problem is, we'd make one mistake, and that's why we why we lost one nil. The fact that you played him off the pitch didn't matter. So the, the, Matt's attention to detail is um, is crucial there. I think that's what he understands that you know if we can cut out things like mistakes, or we just we just be, make ourselves aware of what everyone's got to do, then that just especially in a league like this where it is very fine margins, it's a it's a brutal league. I mean, we jokingly call it the bastard league. Uh, with good reason, because it is. <laughs> and the thing is, in, in, you talk about the, you know, as you call it, the Bastard League, and mm. you look down that table and the clubs below you <laughs> in the playoff places, and they are the playoff places now because they don't have a chance at the mm. title. I don't know who they're. Yeah. Torquay United, Stockport County, Hartlepool United, Knox County, Wrexham, and Chesterfield. There is mm. there about 500 years worth of football league experience. Yeah. And the reality is, Sutton won the most games in the division this season. Sutton mm-hmm. scored the most goals in the division this season. Yep. Sutton conceded the second fewest goals in the division this season. This yep. hasn't been a fluke. This has been consistent across the season, the best team. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, know, you, you see it around where people say, oh, think, things like, obviously, people talk about the pitch. Oh, the 3G pitch is an advantage. Well, yeah, but we've got to play away games on grass. So surely, if anything... The three, if the 3G was such an advantage, we'd, be, we'd never lose at home and we'd never win away. Yet this year, we've, I think, we've, I think only, we're only 
there's only Torquay been better away from home, I think, than us this year. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, and it's, uh, I mean, we'll talk about the season in a bit more detail quickly as well. We'll talk about some of, maybe some of the players, some of the matches. But I want to look forward quickly as well. It's, it's, you know, we've got those pictures on Instagram and Twitter of Craig Eastman pouring pints in the bar and all the, all the, like, the loyal fans in the bar after the game. And mm. Is there any part of you that worries that elements of that will be lost moving up to EFL? Um, not immediately. Um, I, I don't think the club will... It, I don't think it's going to change the club, have a sea change overnight. I don't think we're all going to rock up um, 7th of August um, and, you know, it'll all be sort of a wannabe Premier League corporate type setup type thing. You know, there's loads of different faces. It'll still be the same faces on stewarding, running the place. Um, I mean, to be honest, you have to say if the club makes the go of it um, and they survive a few years, then that may be the case because it then becomes more about you, you the professionalism side of it. Uh, you, you'll still have, we'll always have volunteers at going to green lane, but if you're going to spend time playing that level of football consistently, then you're going to have to start sort of either paying people to do the, the tasks um, that they're doing now for nothing, mm. simply because it'll, you know, it's just going to be more demands on them, more sort of demands on time, effort, things like that. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a question for sort of 10, 15 years down the line. If we're still there, then, yeah, there might be a, a sort of a, a sort of misty-eyed kind of... Um, remember, the, remember the old days in the, in the, in the Isthmian League um, when there were 500 people watching us. So it's, yeah, I, I don't think it will change overnight. But, I mean, certain things have to. Um, like, we have to have a CEO, paid CEO. We have to have paid secretary for under football league rules. So... That's going to be, you know, but I don't think you'll see a massive change. Dick recruitment has been also a key part of Matt's strategy, and, mm. and, and not just Matt as well. I think Jason Goodliffe deserves a mention here as well for the role he's played. But mm. we were talking on the podcast the other week. Um, you look at this Sutton squad, it's small. I think he's only got 14 players who have played double figures of matches upwards. He's really relied mm. on that core. But mm. when you look at those people who played on the pitch yesterday, including starters and subs, in my opinion, as a as an EFL fan, fan of Plymouth Argyle, I think every single one of them can do a job in the EFL next season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's it's a really good mix. And I mean, Matt said that when he first joined uh, with his recruitment, he was going to look not only at his needs um, pitch wise, you know, positional, what he needs. Does he need a defender or a goal scorer or whatever? Um, it wasn't as much. Uh, can the guy do the job that he wants him to do? Is he, can he afford him? Can he do another job is another thing as well. We do have a lot of guys who can cover a couple of positions. Rob Milsom can play fullback or midfield. Uh, Craig Eastman, central midfielder, but he played the first four games at centre-back and just cruised it. And he's probably, one of the, <laughs> it's, you wouldn't believe he was a midfielder. Um, I've been banging the Craig Eastman drum for what? So I believe he's one of the best midfielders in this division. I think he's pretty, pretty complete as National League midfielders go. Sometimes the best recruitment is about timing isn't it uh, and and I I think you got the feeling that not only did he have a lot of faith in a lot of the players he had last season but he only really wanted to bring people in if they were of the right quality and obviously it all came together nicely with Bazanis coming over with his 
um, his partner playing for Arsenal, etc. And that, that that was great. That one was on the plate, mm. fantastic. But others have come in as, and I mean, Donovan Wilson on dual registration from Bath. You, you literally, as you say, he he might have come in just to to give a bit of backup, but he's made the place his own, and and that's where yeah. Matt shown his his flexibility. He's not got a set team that he's got to have out there as often as he can, but it's fluid, isn't it? He he likes to if he he likes to stick to the guys who aren't you know stick to guys who are performing for him. But like yeah, like you say, he's happy that if if something needs or a change or he needs to freshen something up, yeah. I mean, Donovan came in and like you say, funny enough, he did an interview. I think it might be with the National League uh, Twitter account. It was on their account where he said he came in and he was kind of half expecting to kind of just fill in. Um, himself, you know, he was going to have a go, but he was he was expecting to basically be a squad player. Donovan has two starts, scores two two goals. We win both games one nil, you know, and he probably only had about one or two, one chance in both games. So he, and suddenly, from a lad who's come in and by his own admission expected to be maybe a squad player, how do you leave him out? Um, there was a point in time when Harry Beutman had scored, I think, ten uh, ten goals, and those goals, because of where they'd fallen in games, in sort of in one goal victories or draws had won something 18 points. Yeah. Um, and he was the very definition of a clutch player, that guy who's going to get you over the line. And what a season he had, I think, I think when it comes to it, he may find himself out of the running for National League player season because of that last few weeks of season. But for me, yeah. he should absolutely be in that conversation. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he tailed off a, a little bit. Um, there's various reasons. One, I, I, I'm trying to, we, we actually were trying to think of the last time he missed a game through injury. Um, I think I don't think he missed one last year. I think he was ever present, um, and up to even getting a little tweak against Woking, he barely missed a game again this season as well. Um, so, so yeah, he's played a lot of football, and obviously with the two seasons, uh, you know, he's, he's just he just played a lot of football, and we do rely on him a lot. Um, so yeah, I think he just kind of um, he just kind of he, he was just a bit unfortunate. He got a knock at the end, and it just took. Took it out of his legs a little bit, and and I think also there was a spell there where, we, just after the point where we had that big winning run we'd had that dropped, got us right up to the top of the table in contention, um, he started to sit a little deeper than he was before. Um, just I think it was just to give, try and give us a bit more security and a bit more of a hold in midfield, so he wasn't quite um, doing what he was doing before because he's a very box to box kind of player. So yeah, he's that guy that pops up in the box when you need him. And so yeah, it took that took a took a little bit of that away from him. So yeah, he's his contribution goals wise did, did drop a little bit towards the end of the year. Um but obviously, yeah, as you said today, absolutely fantastic season for him and for Sutton yeah. as a whole. And let's bring it right back to the starting point. And this is, you know, my final question really, and it's for both Rob and for yourself, Dan. Mm. Next season, Sutton United, for the first time in how many years, Dan? Uh, it's one hundred and twenty three. <laughs> for the first time in one hundred and twenty three years. Will be playing football league football. Um, Rob, you've been there with Oldershot. What have they got to look forward to? <clears throat> well, the first season, from the fans' point of view, it's just going to be one season-long party. Um, I can tell you what that was like from first-hand experience in uh, two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, when Aldershot got up there. There were times when we were away from home, we were in much bigger clubs. You know, singing the place down uh, and losing the games, but you almost had to tell the fans that we were losing because they didn't care. Um, 
so that's the first thing I'd say. Enjoy every bit of it. Um, I'm 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 highly envious just because. I'll probably be going to the same majority of grounds again next season. You're going to get to go to so many different ones. Um, they they can even more play on the little old Sutton next season, can't they? Because they're going to be up against not just six you know huge clubs like they've come up against in the National League this year, but uh, probably twelve or thirteen or fourteen. You know. Um, it's going to be really exciting for them. I'm sure Matt will do very much the same again, you know, a, a good degree of continuity, some little nuggets prized out of here and there. And I think they'll give it a damn good go. And look, looking at how other teams have done as well when they've gone up, very few have struggled. And I don't see any reason why Sutton should struggle. What do you think, Dan? Um, yeah, I, 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 on the pitch, I don't think there's a massive difference between top end of the National League, sort of top eight, maybe ten tides in the National League on their day, and sort of the bottom eight or so of the football league, except League Two. So it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's all about that first season. Enjoy it, enjoy the experience, and just finish third bottom, worst case. Just get third bottom, and then, then you can start building, really. You can start yeah. pushing forward, seeing where you need, to, where, you know, you, that's where you learn your lessons. The reality is, you're going up to a league two, which is not that big a step up from the national league. Very few yeah, sides in the last gap has closed. Exactly, very few sides in the last decade have come down. You're going to know probably about fifty percent of these teams. Now there are some big names in that division. You've got the likes of Bradford City, Exeter City, Scunthorpe, Oldham. There are some good sides playing football in that league. But there's a lot of them that you've played in the last four or five years, you know you can beat them. You know you can compete at that level. And mm. I, I don't think Sutton have got anything to fear. So, yeah, yeah. It's, we, we should, I think we'll be, like I said, I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. I think that should, uh, that should, I think we'll be okay should be a good, a good ending point for this little segment. Um, <laughs> but the next, the next thing we're going to have is an interview with Matt Gray on this podcast. So definitely keep listening. Um, and I think, we'll do. I think after this, considering the season we've had, um, Dan, you weren't able to get into many games this season. Um, I know Dan Demonium do so much work around the club and you guys contribute to so much of the culture around Sutton United. I, I bet you'd, you'd trade every match of the season in that ground this year to have had that one on Sunday. Um, how, what, what do you think of Matt Gray? How much has he meant to this club and, and how much is he going to mean to you moving forward? He's just a good guy. He's, he's, he's very... Like I say, he's very particular, very meticulous. He knows what he wants to do. Um, he's, he, 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 you know, he has a very um, defined way of what, how he wants to do things, how he wants to his teams to play, and what he wants to demand from them, um, he, what the sort of characters he wants to be in that side. So he's, he's certainly got a, a, I mean, beyond us, he's got a future in the game. I, I, I mean, we're, we're under no illusions. If he keeps us up a year, a year maybe you know, end of the next season or if he's kept us up or if we do okay, people are going to come sniffing. He's going to move on. And he's going to get a bigger job, definitely, because he's he's got the right um, the right stuff, really, I think. He's one of these young managers who, yeah, he's, he's, he, he, he just believes in what he wants, what what, how he wants to do things and how he wants to play. Um, and like I said earlier about his, you know, the way he treats every game, individually 
Um, he, he's he's not someone who gets, lets things get him down, and hmm. but then he doesn't get too high either. So, did it did it take a while for you to um, form that opinion? Was there some doubts at the start? He was one of Doss's, um, wasn't he? And and yeah. he he coached there. He coached at Aldershot. He coached at various. Mm-hmm. But he hadn't been a manager. There must have been some doubts about him. Um, I suppose, yeah, you're always going to have sort of a, is he the right, is it the right choice? Because, you know, following, he was on a hiding to nothing. He was following Goz after 10 years of what we did in those 10 years was mental. You know, mm. we won a couple of titles. We had that crazy cup run. We got, you know, got back to the National League. We were competitive. We were doing, we were doing fine. We, we just had... Uh, not long had our, our highest ever finish um, after chasing Mac for most of the season, ended up third. So uh, the act he had to follow, he was already on a hiding to nothing. So there's always going to be, with all you know, all the will in the world, there's always going to be a little bit of trepidation. It's just you know human nature. Um, and he he did have a, a tough spell at the start. He started okay, and then we we were just you know just results weren't going our way, and we we didn't win for a couple of months. Um, and yeah, but he, you know, he, he's a very honest guy. Um, a couple of times during that run, he came into the bar and was just chatting to people, you know, despite people being disappointed with the results and things like that, but he was open about what he was trying to do, um, and why he wanted to do it this way. And this is, you know, what he's aiming for, but people start with him and he's very lucky because our board are very patient. They don't sack people. They don't, they don't make knee-jerk reactions to, you know, poor form. Uh, funny enough, Bruce but joked last night to me in the bar after the game. He said, I'm going to have to sack him now. And I said, why is that? He said, well, I told him to keep us in this bloody division. Ah. Um, and, and, he said, and, he, and he said, that's not what I meant. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Um, no problem, pleasure. I know you're still nursing a hangover for yesterday, but, you know, get just about great gone. Some more. Just about gone. <laughs> Um, congratulations once again from, from all Thank of us at NL Full Time Podcast there. It's been a pleasure watching, watching Sutton this season and hopefully you can round it off in style against Barnet. Hope so. Uh, so now we're joined by one of the key players in Sutton's race to the title this season um, and it's centre-back Louis John. Um, Louis joined Sutton from Cambridge United having left Sutton to go to Cambridge United and now Louis, um, first full season back at Sutton, um, you're going straight back to the Football League. How does it feel? Oh, it feels great. It feels great. Um, just to, to get over the line on Sunday was sort of the ass on the cake, really. Um, it was massive for the club, massive for the, the fans. And uh, yeah, it's a feeling that I'll, I'll cherish. Uh, and obviously you're from Croydon originally as well. So how how much does it mean to you to be able to take this step with a local club? Uh, it means a lot, mainly because sort of I've, I've been in and around the club from the age of 19, um, I think I made my first appearance for them. Um, and then I went away and come back and we managed to build something there, which um, which I don't think any other club can emulate, really, in terms of sort of the way the clubs run from top to bottom. And everyone's bought into bought into our targets and, and we managed to we managed to get there in the end. I think you've got over, over 150 appearances for Sutton now. Um are you looking forward to kicking on at a higher level? Do you feel like you personally have got a bit of unfinished business at, uh, in the EFL? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I've played a lot of games at this level now, uh, National League level. 
Um, and I feel like when I did go into the league with Cambridge, I didn't really get the chance to prove myself. Um, but now um, I'm sort of I'm back home. I'm comfortable and I'm happy where I am. So maybe that might give me even more more of a push to to go on and, and do better in the in the league above, which I'm sure I personally will do, and I'm sure the team will, will take it in their strides and and we can push on. Hopefully, I, who knows what the targets are for next year, but hopefully we can stay in the league. We've just heard from Dan from Gandamonium, and he said that the difference in you as a player, having come back this season, you know, the growth in you as a centre back, uh, you're, you're a real leader at the back there. You've played, I think, 35 appearances. Um, you've been involved in pretty much every game this season. When did it really become apparent to you that, that, the, that the title was on for Sutton this season? Um, I mean, at the beginning of the season, we sat down and we we had our sort of our our, our pre-season meeting about what our targets are and this and that. And I think in the room, we sort of felt like we had something that could could sort of push all the way to the end, really. But realistically, I think our target was probably to push for the playoffs and then hopefully get get as close to the top as possible and then, um, yeah, take it from there. But then I think a, a vital, a, a key turning point for me personally, and I'm pretty sure uh, a lot of the other boys can could probably say the same thing. Um, when we played Dagenham away, um, it was a it was a tough, hard fought game. Um, it was one all at the time, I think. And in the ninety third minute, I think we managed to go on a counter attack, and then David Adjaboy won a penalty in the last minute. And just the relief when Harry put it in, Harry put the penalty, uh, scored the pen, and then just the the celebrations afterwards, it just like clicked. Like, and then we went in the change room, and everyone was just going mental. We was playing our free from desire song, and I think that's when everyone re- sort of realised that it, it, we could do it. We had something, and we could push and 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 keep going until the end of the season. And then, if you look back at the season. I think we've had seven losses this season. I think five of them have only been by one goal. Um, and then if you take Wrexham out of the equation where there was a bit of a um, bit of an issue getting up there and things like that, which sort of maybe played a, played a part in that result, I think we've been the, the most consistent team throughout the season. Um, and that just, that just goes to show the togetherness and the, and the spirit that we have within the team. Absolutely. You know, the stats don't lie, do they? And, and as we heard earlier in the show, um, Sutton won more games than any other team this season. They scored more goals than any other team this season. Uh, and they conceded the second fewest as well. So you've been strong at both ends of the pitch. And, and goals is something that you've contributed as well. I think you've got six in the league for the season, including three in a row. Um, coming into yeah, the I think it's six. Yeah. yeah, six. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know what's happened, to be honest with you. I've never scored so many goals in my life. Um but yeah, just when the chances have come, I've managed to get on the end of them or just uh, get a good contact on it and it's just ended up going in the net. But there's been so many key goals this season, not just from me, but um, pivotal stages like uh, Bromley at home, Will Randall turns up in the 88th minute and scores. Um, and then I, uh, Isaac Olafi, he's been all season, he's been chipping away with the goals and then Donovan and Donovan's come in and scored seven or eight, I think. And it's just, it's just the goals have been spread around the team. Omar, he maybe hasn't been rewarded for the amount of goals that he sh- that he he thinks he should have, but his overall all round play for us this season has been been ridiculous. He's a he's a bit of a battering ram, <laughs> um, and he's helped us um, defensively as well. He's always 
he's always there or thereabouts in terms of getting defensively. But yeah, I couldn't speak highly enough of of all of my teammates, all of them, um, even the ones that, that have been in and out all season. It's been um, it's been more of a squad game rather than a team game because it's not just the team that's playing. It's about everyone involved and um, yeah, everyone's played their part at some point. So I just um, I want to bring it back to your goal scoring. So obviously last week you scored probably the best goal you'll ever score from your own half, but your own half. But was this week's the most important goal you'll ever score? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. So far in my career, yeah, it's um, it's it, it was a it was a moment that I think I'll never forget. Um, when it went in, I sort of ran away in celebration, and the, the emotion just sort of hit me, and I. It, it was a and it was at a crucial stage of the game as well. I think it was getting to a point where they was going to start throwing everything at us at one nil, and uh, I think we needed the second goal to sort of get over the line and uh, not invite the pressure on onto ourselves in the last sort of ten fifteen minutes. And then um, yeah, when when it went in, it just the place just erupted, and uh, for a split second, everything just went blank. Like I, my mind just I didn't know what to do, and it was just. And the lads come and celebrated with me, and it was um, yeah, I'll never forget that moment. It was a, uh, it was nice. Yeah, I mean, it was it was incredible, wasn't it? And, and how much better was it for you as a player the fact that you could do it with supporters in the ground? Yeah, it was. It's just it's uh, it was written in the stars, really. I mean, when the when the when the fans when the fans are in there, it's a it's a total different ball game. Like you just feel the energy, you feel the you feel the commitment from everyone. And um, they just they showed their support all the way through the game, and there was only I thought I think a thousand fans in there, but it, it felt like two, three thousand because the noise was just ridiculous. And uh, yeah, it helped push us on. It helped spur spur big moments in the game. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully next season when all the fans are back in, we can use that to our advantage and um, and yeah, kick on from there. Yeah, absolutely, and and. Final question then. So, looking forward to next season. Um, as a player, what is it that's what are you most looking forward to about taking that step uh, back to the yeah, um, in a personal uh, for in a personal sort of looking at it personally? I uh, to to prove myself in at that level. Um, I, I played sort of. I think when I went to Cambridge, I played about twenty games. Didn't quite work out. Um, but I've always felt that I'm, I'm, I've been, I'm good. I was good at, when I was at Cambridge. I always felt I was good enough to to play in that league, um, but things just didn't work out. And that's part and parcel of the football. Sometimes you get you get knocked back, but um, these everything happens for a reason. And and I think Sunday typified that. Um, uh, the Gaffers built a great squad here, and and I bought. And as, as soon as I had the opportunity to come back here, I didn't I didn't look back. And uh, now we're there. I think we can. I think there's no reason why we can't challenge these teams in the league above. I mean, you've seen the team, the Harrogate, and other teams that have gone up in recent years, and they've they've all done well. So I can't see why we can't push on from here and and challenge with them teams. Totally agree with you. Totally agree. I think um, certainly got nothing to fear. I watch a lot of football EFL. Where my team, Plymouth Argyle, were in League Two last season. I don't think the step up is. Is that great? I think the National League has caught up very close to the Football League now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And just the size of the clubs in, in, in the National League, it, it says it all. Um, I think the top six, seven maybe in the National League could easily go into League Two and, and perform and 
and stay in the league. Um, I don't think there, there's no disrespect to League Two, but physically and 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 the the way the game's played, it's no different from the National League. It's a it's a fight, it's a battle, it's second balls, first contact, second contacts, and and I think we our team epitomizes that. I think that's where we've done so well this season. We've outfought and outbattled and outrun teams, and uh, we're going to need to take that over into into next season because it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. So yeah. Um, once uh, I think a, f- a few of the boys, they might feel the nerves at first, but I think once they find their feet, um, I think we'll we'll give it a good go and we should do well. Fantastic. Well, I mean, I can't wait to watch um, Sutton in the Football League. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Louis, uh, and enjoy. Well, we've got Barnett still to go, but after that, enjoy your break before next season. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Right. We couldn't possibly do a Sutton special without having the main man himself on. And I know he's going to obviously quite rightly give credit to others as well, but I'm delighted to be joined by one person and one thing at the other end. You won't see it in this audio, but uh, I've been joined by Matt Gray and a very precious bit of silverware alongside you, Matt. You must be one proud, proud guy right now. Yeah, I think it's just about sinking in now, Rob. It's uh, been a whirlwind few days and, uh, yeah, emotions have been... Uh, obviously sky high and yeah, as I said, it's just sinking in with a trophy sitting here and suddenly you're realising what, what we've achieved and it's, it's an unbelievable feat for the football club and yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of, of everyone associated with the club. You have to be so level-headed at all times. If anybody has to keep their feet on the ground, it's always got to be the manager. The manager leads by example. But equally, precious moments like this in football don't come around very often, Matt. You know that. You've been in football a long time. Have you allowed yourself to have a good celebration the last couple of days? Certainly have, Rob, yeah. <laughs> and there will be certainly some more celebrations to come this week, I'm sure. Um, yeah, obviously after the game and, and yesterday as well, continuing to yesterday. And I, I just got back home today. Uh, we're back in in the morning and, yeah, there's there's many more things planned for the rest of this week. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a week of celebrations and, and, and rightly so. And you've got to celebrate moments like this because they don't come around too often. Have you had uh, have have you had much in your playing or your management career that that you could compare to this, or is it very very different, Matt? Oh, absolutely nothing compares to this. Um, as a manager, as well, when you're taking that responsibility for for the club and for everything, and it's my second year of doing it. Obviously, the first year got cut a little bit short with with COVID, but to be having my first full season in management, my second year, and the chairman's asked me just to keep us up. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm thinking, oh well, chairman, I think I could maybe have a little push for the playoffs. Yeah, uh, yeah, great if we do. Uh, and we turned out winning it, and that was beyond anyone's wildest dreams at the start of the season, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think um, the fact that you got it done with a game to go is, is also quite surprising. But there's no, there's nothing like in life when you get a chance, grab it with both hands, and you did. You didn't really want it going down to a nervy last day, even if you only needed a point or to equal. Torquay's results um, you were so impressive on the day uh, against a very good team in Hartlepool I'd seen them a week 10 days earlier and they'd done a, a really really clinical job uh, you know taking the three points away from from the EBB um, how how uh, how did you set about that particular game where you, you you weren't you weren't talking about drawing or making sure you didn't lose were you <laughs> no no not, not at all it, from 
from being Saturday, Tuesday and, and being relentless with the fixtures to suddenly beating Maidenhead um, on the Saturday, knowing that Torquay were, were going to Stockport on the Sunday. Uh, a Stockport win would have been the best result for us because uh, that meant we could have maybe won it against Hartlepool. It turned out it wasn't. The draw was the next best thing, obviously. Um, but not did I think at all that they'd <laughs> drop points against Barney at home. But that that week was a, a hell of a long week with no Tuesday game. It was a little bit unusual, plus the stage, stage of the season. It, it felt like a month, not a week. It was really, really slow leading up to the, to the weekend. And then, uh, yeah, you, you can't help but think of, you try and stay positive, but you also think of the what-ifs and what if this, this happened, what if that result, you know, if, if they go and put four or five past Barnett on the Saturday and close the goal difference right up as well, uh, as well as going level points with us. Uh, and we've got such a good side in Hartlepool to play. You know, you're thinking, whose who's hands are, is it going to be in on that last day of the season? And, when you see him go 2-0 up after 23 minutes, I'm not going to lie, I certainly thought I was thinking, please don't, <laughs> please don't rack up, rack up the scoreline here. But yeah. on it, Simon Bass has done a great job since he's gone in there and really turned him around for what he's trying to deal with and what he's got, got at his disposal. And I'm sure he'll kick on with Barney next season and, and do well over the couple of years to come, come I'm sure. Um, but uh, he, he's, he certainly managed to do us a favour on Saturday and, and turn that result around that no one would have seen. To, to mean that now we can go in and, and the, the focus all week was winning the game because we have to. We've got to win the game regardless. Yeah. Suddenly come five o'clock on Saturday afternoon, it's, oh, hold on a second. The finish line's here now. Yeah. We can actually, we can actually cross it tomorrow and it was a, a, a slight, a, a real change in mentality and, and feel about the, the game. Um, and, and it certainly had a, a, a real feel, a different feel, sorry, in the morning. And with the lads, um, I just know that they're such a great bunch of lads. I just know the focus there. And they could see, you know, any good sides, any top teams, when they can smell smell that victory and smell the blood and, and they they go and push on and kick on even more. And I thought we were completely dominant against Hartlepool and against a very good side and the top manager. And well, we were just excellent on the day. And 3-0, I'd never expected that. <laughs> when we look back now at the running predominantly most times the the league table situation the points the games played for, for for a majority of it you were in control of it it was in your hands there was probably just the one big twist wasn't there and that was the 3-2 defeat at Notts County the choker of the last minute goal and uh, you know giving away the, the the penalty you've inflicted those late goals on so many teams this season but you had to take that one on the chin and that's the one time it did swing back a little bit in Torquay's favour did you just try and keep everybody steady and in the same mode and it's just one game you know how did you tackle how did you tackle that because it would have been a quiet old coach journey back from uh, yeah and, and, a, and a, a very low and disappointed change room when I walked in uh, at Notts County after that it was, it was, I thought we performed really well on the night and at least deserved the point um, again against the top club and a massive uh, squad and players that they've got to their disposal to go up there and put in the performance at the stage of the season and and uh, and lose at the death there uh, an uncharacteristic three goals we conceded for, for starters and the way we conceded and was uncharacteristic of us for the season um, but to, to come back in the change room and to have it in your hands for quite a long period of time, and now suddenly it's not, with a handful of games to go, 
um, yeah, the, the message was very, very clear to them immediately as soon as we got in the change room that we've performed really well. We haven't got what we deserve tonight. That's football. Um, but they will drop points. And all, we, all we've got to do is dust ourselves down. And every time we've lost a game this season, we've come back and won straight away. Mm. So don't think about anything else. Don't think about Torquay's results. Don't think about any other fixtures that we've got. Yeah. Let's just go and win on Saturday. Um, and, and that's what we did. And, and then took the next game and the next game and the next game and, and then four in a row. Elsewhere on this uh, podcast special, uh, we'll uh, discuss with uh, the uh, Gandamonium chaps and Tom Lang, you know, why Sutton? Why this team? Why this moment? You know, we're looking at so many things. Um, I guess you're going to say it comes down to so many things, so many people, um, key decisions, little bits of fortune, all those things need to come together to actually win this ridiculously competitive league. Um, is there a USP in there, do you think? Um, is there something that you, you did that, that was different? Um, or do you just get the right bunch of people and get them pulling in the same direction? That's, that's certainly where I'd start, Rob. Been at many football clubs as an assistant manager and been in football a hell of a long time. And if one compartment of the football club is not facing in the same direction as the others, uh, then that just doesn't breed success. And if it's run properly from the top on how they manage downwards in terms of the chairman and the board and how they manage me and how our relationship is together. And then that fills down into me, the staff, the staff into the players. And then that rubs off and the fill into the fans and the sponsors and the volunteers and everyone else who's connected to the football club buy into what we're trying to do. And if, if one of those sections of the football club is, is facing in a different direction, you're, you're, in, you're in big trouble to try and turn anything around on you, or you're, you're straight away in a battle to, in-house, if you like. Mm. But um, I'm so lucky with Bruce Elliott, Adrian Barry, the vice chairman, and the rest of the board that the way we work together is, is just phenomenal. Our, our working relationship and personal relationship, our classmates, friends, they're unbelievable people at Sutton United. And I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that my first job is to be able to work with a board like that and then they just give me the reins to, you know, you're the manager, you crack on. And first job I did was get my best signing in, which was Jason Goodliffe, my assistant. He is phenomenal um, in so many ways. Uh, the rest of the staff I inherited from Paul Doswell would certainly got Sutton to where it was. And I, I, I thank him hugely for one, bringing me to the club. Also to get from Sutton United, from the Ryman Leagues to a, an established National League club over 11 years is huge credit credit to Paul Doswell and, and Ian Baird who I know really well mm. and what they did for the football club was, was amazing and where it left and the hand you know the place they left it for me to take on but then then it's, I'm just massive on people Rob and characters and and people yes they'll have their strengths yes they have their weaknesses but I know at five to three when I shake their hand when they leave the dressing room like, I want to look every single one of them in the eye and I know they're just going to give me their all and they're going to give the club everything uh, as soon as they cross that white line. And I can accept mistakes. I can accept our captain, who's been phenomenal all season, making a rest challenge in the 93rd minute and not counting costing us a, uh, a defeat there. You know, so what, Easty? You've been brilliant all season. It's an honest mistake. Mistakes happen. Um, and it's the people. But then, then obviously, that's before you even come into the football side. That's just the foundations. That's the foundations that you need before you even start talking about tactics and football and formations and anything else. Get those foundations in first mm. and then you can crack on. 
that, you know, mentality is huge. I've talked about that with so many managers that you have to have. You can be a good side. You can show lots of lovely quality, but if you if you don't have that mentality, that winning mentality, that desire not to lose when you're on the verge of losing, that ability to find a win, um, it, it, it counts for so much. Um, let's briefly, and I know quite rightly at this point, you know, you, you, you'll have cast your mind at times to next season, but people are going to now say, oh, okay, how are Sutton going to compete in, in the EFL? Um, first and foremost... Contract-wise, players-wise, how many have you got on contracts that run into next season, Matt? Or is it a fresh look at all of them? No, no. Um, getting ones tied up as we speak within the next day or two. So it'll be very quickly by the end of the week. Um, or sorry, by the end of next week, really. Just just finalising with a few. Um, I should know exactly, shouldn't I, Robert? But it'll be easily into double figures. Yeah. Um, easily into double figures by, by, by next week. So... Um, yeah, there's been so much up in the air with so many things. It's been hard for me to commit because um, you know still not confirm a budget. Budget yeah, was it a budget for League Two or was it exactly? Yeah, you know that's going to change because that and that's going to change. You know what league you're in, what who's staying, who's going. So there's been a hell of a lot of things up in the air. Um, but yeah, that will all get ironed out over the next week or so. And uh, yeah, I'll be looking to try and keep the majority of the squad who have done Absolutely. so well for me. As you did last year, you came on the podcast earlier in the season. You talked yeah. about that continuity, about that group, and then building. And you got one or two early little nuggets like Bazanis coming over. He's obviously been a rock for you. But I've got to say, Matt, you know, Donovan Wilson on dual registration from Bath and Alafi back in from Millwall. My goodness me. Uh, <coughs> Wilson, I'm, I'm hearing, came in, thought he might plug a gap here or two, but he's forced his way into your starting 11, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, again, I think. We use the word recruitment, but that's that's one of the biggest things, isn't it? Making sure you sign the right types and right players. Uh, and, and Jason, as I said in, uh, a minute ago, how good he is and one of his biggest strengths is certainly recruitment. And, and Donovan Wilson came through him. He played in the same under-23 team as Jason's son, Ben. Um, so he'd watched him play loads of times when he was when he was watching his uh, when he was watching Ben play in the 23s. So he, he and when that timing of the National South stopping. Um, and them not continuing um, a really good cost-effective option for us as a body who had got a good pedigree, who had scored nine in 15 in the league below. Um, uh, and Jerry Gill there and, and Bath City were excellent to deal with. Uh, great person, Jerry, and a great club. Uh, and they were really helpful with with the, the lone move. Um, so he's been a huge signing for us because... Um, Tanto Isaac Lafay had, had been excellent for us from Millwall but we, we just got a couple of injuries across midfield Will Randall uh, went out for quite a bit the last part of the season um, missed a good month or so and I was struggling a little bit on the left hand side a little bit of light numbers and it just turned out that, that Isaac could move on to the left hand side just freed the space up for Donovan he started a couple of games scored two in two Kings in away Chesterfield away on the Tuesday night both 1-0 wins um, both, both, you know, getting on the score street two in two. He picked up a slight, slight injury, had a, a, a little spell out, and that was probably when we had our little blip, if you like, which was three draws and a defeat, and, uh, and we didn't score in a few of the games. And everyone was questioning, "Oh, your goals are dried up, and you know, are something going to fall away?" But I just knew we just had those, those few injuries at the time. Um, but then to, to get him back fit um, really got us going and allowed us to move. 
uh, Alafe back onto the left-hand side and, and gave us that balance. And, and we just haven't stopped scoring goals in however many what, six, seven games now. We've been free-flowing and the leading goal scorers in the league. So he's been a huge plus for us, as has uh, Alafe. Uh, you, you could go on and name name pretty much everyone else, Rob. Uh, it might be too early for you to look back on this, but for me, it's right up there um, in terms of an achievement for a football club with respect the size of Sutton United. You know, um, the nearest I can compare, and, and they're obviously a much bigger club, but Macclesfield, remind, there's some memories of that. They, they got on a roll. Everyone said they won't do it. They'll fall away. And they were just incredibly efficient. They stayed in the zone and they got across the line, didn't they? I think, um, I think you were. Was that the same season that you were up there and finished third? I can't. I can't remember. Uh, or Sutton. I or think I, yeah, Sutton. There, I wasn't there, but that was the same season, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And um, how? Where do you see it if you're able to? I mean, uh, you know, it's possibly you know a difficult one to ask it when it's in the eye of the beholder. But uh, in terms of, you know. Teams that have, have come up, I mean, I guess Harrogate's an incredible story as well last season, isn't it? And, and you might indeed see some similes there with them, with the 3G pitch and everything, having to rip it up. Without, where do I see it? It's hard for me to to try and really put it into words or the, or the achievement we have done. When you look at the league table the morning I woke up after winning it and you're looking at Torquay, Stockport, Hartlepool, Notts County, Wrexham, Chesterfield as the other six in behind you in the playoffs. And you're like, size of those clubs, <laughs> fan bases, budgets, the players they've got, some of the top quality managers in the division, some of the ex-football league clubs who are not even, even in that top seven. For Sutton United and what we are, never do an overnight, travel everywhere on the day, never have a pre-match meal, every, all the players bring their own food, um, not full-time in a majority full-time league. Mm. three-quarter time and for us to achieve what we've achieved is again it's surely got to go down as one of the biggest achievements in non-league football and I don't find myself being sort of arrogant saying that Rob because it is a a, a fairy tale story really of of what we've and I'm not saying it's just me it Mm. is the whole club is a a very much a joint effort to get this football club to be a, a football league club for the first time ever. And, and as imposing as it might be going up to the EFL, what's going to happen? I think when you get there and you look at the teams that are in it, you're going to see some big clubs like your Bradford, your Oldham's, whatever. You're going to really, I mean, some really big clubs. Um, but you're going to look around and in that division, you're going to see sides that you've been playing up against in the last four or five years, aren't you? You, you know, you're going to be, uh, unfortunately, Matt, you're going to make that long old trip up to Barrow again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just hope we don't have to go up the following week to Carlisle because that'd be a tough week, wouldn't it? But, uh, <laughs> what do you want? There's certainly some journeys in there, aren't there? But uh, yeah, you, you know, Barrows and Harrogates, as you mentioned, and Leighton Orients, um, you know, some some ex-National League teams in there have, have had to battle out of it again, um, which is, is such a tough division to get out of with one automatic and the, the clubs that are in it. But, uh, you know, the three ex-Premier League clubs in there with Oldham and Swindon and Bradford, some big clubs in there, but we'll, we'll just be... One, we'll be looking to enjoy it. Of course we will. And I really want everyone to enjoy a historical season for the football club, which will live long in many people's memories. But we're not just going there just to enjoy it. We're going there to compete and try and be the best we possibly can in league. So, Now, I can't have you on and let you go without at least asking you for an opinion on the playoffs, which thankfully, Matt, you don't have to take any part in now. Um, but as you said, 
as the league table stands, those six big clubs, but as we talk, Eastley are playing, uh, Bromley, um, you know, have a chance still. Halifax have a chance still. Who do you sense is peaking at the right time? Who do you sense um, might have enough to come through uh, the playoffs? It, it's, it's always difficult, isn't it? Um, with the playoffs, trying to pick that one because of what goes on in the day, a referee indecision, a mistake. Such thin divide lines in one-off games. I really like the format of the National League playoffs. I think it's, I think it's really good. I think it's fair with the, with the home teams getting a bite or second or third, sorry, getting a home leg, one away, game away. Um, I, think, I think it's a really good format. Your top teams in there have been, you know, really four-horse race over the last month or two with Hartlepool, Stockport, Torquay, three top sides with top managers. Mm. Then Notts County have really got going really since they beat us. They've yeah. been on a really good run. Uh, they're definitely in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I said at the start of the season, if whoever finishes above them will win the league because they were my favourites at the start of the year. Um, your Wrexhams, your Chesterfields, sort of hanging on in there, if you like, and that they're in there at the moment. Eastley, Bromley's, Halifax, those sort of teams who are really good, but are coming in and with the euphoria of making it, sneaking in the last day, being on a good run, confidence, nothing to lose. Mm. And then you've got your, your ones who have been in the race and missed out and you're trying to get them going again for the playoffs. And I was that was a fear of mine of, of having to try and to get us going for another couple of games. Um, it's, that, that makes it such a tough one to call because uh, those three or four teams have quite a, a decent gap between the others. But with the momentum and, and, and on the day, it could be anyone's. And all of those teams we mentioned there are, are, are top players, top teams. And uh, you certainly wouldn't want to play against any of them, to be honest. <laughs> Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. You've been very generous with your time. Uh, I'm pleased for Sutton. It's a fairy tale story. I'm absolutely delighted for you as somebody that I, I got to know a little bit during your time at Aldershot. And you've been very, very engaging. And, and the worst thing out of all of this is a bit like we lost Simon Weaver last year, who was so, so supportive of the NL Full-Time podcast. And you have been too. But... Uh, we will keep an eye on your progress. We wish you all the very best of luck for next season uh, as a Football League manager. Brilliant, Rob. I really appreciate your support and, and what you do because I think it's a great podcast and I've uh, loved coming on uh, the several times that I have across the season. Um, hopefully, I'm coming back on as a guest, not back on as a National League manager again anytime <laughs> soon. And hopefully, we can stay in the Football League and, uh, and kick on. And but I'll, Again, I'd love to come on any time you'd like me to. So, it's great enough. I appreciate your support.